and welcome to another edition of the Places We'll Go show. Now, honestly, you're in for an amazing treat, I've got to say. Um, we have the wonderful Patricia Cozy, who is the Chief Marketing Digital and Information Officer at Bayer. We had a fantastic conversation with Patricia, um, and the headline, of course, being that uh, you've got to get really uncomfortable in order to be successful. So there's a little bit of a clue and hint as to what's in store in the show. Now, as always, the show is sponsored by two amazing organizations, the Marketing Skills Trust and the Marketing Lounge Partnership. Alrighty, over to the show. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Places We'll Go show. Another fabulous, stellar guest this morning. I'm really excited to be able to welcome Patricia Corsi. Welcome, Patricia. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Fabulous to have you on the show. Now, this is a special, this is a special day, frankly. Um, so, Patricia is Chief Marketing Digital and Information Officer at Bayer, but also was very recently nominated as Global Marketer, the World Marketer of the Year candidate um, for the WFA. So... Patricia is a big hitter in her industry, and uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the background because Patricia's travelled the world with her job, so not everyone will necessarily be familiar. Um, so just to context, Bayer is a global company in the healthcare and agriculture space, tackling some of today's biggest challenges like global population growth, ageing society, sustainable use of resources. Um, but back in the day, Patricia started at Janssen, a pharmaceutical company, moved to Kraft, an another classic marketing schooling company, and that was in Brazil. Uh, moved to Unilever for a decade in Europe and Latin America. She'd been CMO of Heineken um, before joining Bayer in 2022, so relatively recently. Also got some interesting non-exec roles, including with Tate and Lyle. And I love Patricia. I mean, she's going to bring so much energy today, but the some of the interesting things that I picked up in doing a little bit of research, um, Patricia says she likes to work towards making herself uncomfortable at least once a week. And if you look at her LinkedIn, there's this lovely line at the top which says, Stay close to people who feel like sunshine. So I think we're going to get a fantastic perspective, not least because Patricia has continued to upskill herself. Um, she did a course at Singularity University uh, in the USA, which covered robotics, AR and VR, so very much at the forefront. Also, I think a very entrepreneurial streak that came through your, your father and grandfather. And as I said, you are your WFA Global Marketer of the Year nominee, which is an awesome achievement by any standards. Um, Today, what are we getting into? We know Patricia is very focused on championing creativity, particularly in the healthcare industry, but also in marketing. Normalizing some taboo conversations. I know diversity is going to be a theme. Um, Patricia will say, we can transform the world. It's up to us. So Patricia, extremely glad that you're on the show with us this morning. Thanks for joining. Wow. Thank you, Mark. I've, I have no words for such a flattering introduction. Thank you so much. Hey, well, you better have some words because we're just going to get stuck in. Hey, look, you've got two people who are going to give you some sunshine this morning, I'm sure. Hey, there we are. Patricia, look, uh, Mark said, you know, in, as part of your LinkedIn profile, you love to do things or put yourself in, in an uncomfortable position. So maybe that's a good place to kick off. What are, what are, the, what are the sort of some of the uncomfortable positions you put yourselves in over the years? This is, um, yeah, this is a great place to start. Um, and I think this has a lot to do with this profession that we love so much in this area that we love so much. I think it's impossible to continue to be passionate and driven in marketing if you cannot embrace change as something positive and something exciting. So I've started this um, 
some time ago, some years ago, and I'm now I'm not doing something uncomfortable every week. I'm doing every month. Um, when I start doing every week, I start with basic things like for one week, I would brush my teeth with my left hand. My son is uh, left hand and I wanted to see the word through his eyes. And it's very interesting because I discovered that all the scissors in the house didn't fit him. Um, and in Brazil, I never knew that there were something like scissors for left-handed and you start seeing the word in a different perspective. Um, I've started doing cross-teaching. I start trying to play the ukulele. Um, what else did I, did I do that it was interesting? Uh, of course I did the all uh, left-handed writing. Uh, I took some different sports and dancing, but calligraphy I, I think i've done all all different things learning languages japanese some some things that i found interesting but ultimately the the most interesting thing was to do the things where i knew i was going to be really crap at um like playing instruments i'm really bad at playing instruments and uh to my to my family dismay because my husband and my son went really good. Um, so I knew I was doing something that I was going to fail and it's a very vulnerable experience and, and how, and it helps you to manage frustration, which I think it's a very good skill to have in today's world. How do you transform frustration into inspiration? So the, the ukulele was one that took much more than a month. And, and to be fairly honest, I was, I was bad throughout, um, really, really bad. Um, but I continued to do it, not out of stubbornness, but out of, um, out of humbleness to, you know, it was a great, it was a great show of my humanity, the things that I cannot do. Um, and especially when my husband uh, sitting next to me, you know, never had any class in his life and was playing like uh, someone that was born to do that. So it is good because it puts you in your place. Um, I think sometimes um, in marketing, there was uh, an image that, uh, and maybe it's the madman history times where people all are, are you know, have to put, put you know, present themselves as shiny stars and actors and, and characters in a film where I, I see this a little bit the opposite. I think the more humane we are, the more, the more flaws we have, the more vulnerable we present ourselves, the better we can do our job. So this, it, it didn't start with all this philosophy. It started because I just wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to step into the consumer's shoes. Um, and it turned out to be something that is much deeper than that. Um, so I've, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking what's going to be next month, uh, thing, but, um, but I continue to do it. It's, it's a good lesson for me. Well, anybody listening in guys, please pitch your suggestions. <laughs> Very good idea. <laughs> Please, Love no more instruments for the time being. This year is already <laughs> tough. <enough. laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I love that. Um, you know, the vulnerability of humanity. There's a joy in what you said, and and as you said, you know, you started out with something exploring, and it turned into a philosophy. Um, in particular, you said how to channel frustration into inspiration. 
I mean, that is the trick, isn't it? So can you relate that to some of the bigger moments in, in, in a work context where you've you know, really taken that frustration as the source of inspiration? Yeah, I think this is, you know, if you, for everyone, and I'm sure you folks, um, Mark, you had direct line and, and Richie, when you were thinking about the school of marketing, when you have a vision of something, uh, it's very rare when everything is lined up for that to happen as you envision that. Um, and you have moments of, you know, ingrained frustration that if you let that sink in, it's incredible how it has the power to destroy. You know, as one moment in time of frustration has the power to destroy either relationships or, you know, a, a, a stream of work that has taken a long time to happen. Um, when on the contrary, if you have the moment to breathe in and, and think about, okay, this is not happening as I envisioned. This is not like the plan. What is the thing that I can take accountability to change? I can take accountability to transform that will transform this moment that can be remembered as something that was deeply frustrating into something where I try something different to inspire people to come in this journey with me. Um, it is, it's not easy, but you know, there is one thing that I've, I've learned with my father very early in life that in the moments of stress, in the moments of crisis, this is when you have to have your deepest, um, moments of calmness. Um, my father ran restaurants and, uh, and you know, the crisis in restaurants are you, from a business point of view, you can say even mundane because, you know, there is no big financial impact, um, in the moment, but there is a reputational impact. So if the food is not good, uh, if there is any foreign objects in the food, so these are crises that impact the experience that you have. And my father always took this very seriously when someone complained that, okay, the food was not good. It was a moment that he needed to be super calm because he needed to go back to the chef, which had his own view of what's great food. Nobody, no chef wants to put out bad food, um, to communicate and say, okay, how do I get you to understand that even though your intention was X, the perception was Y. Um, so it, it, it was, it is something that if he was nervous, he was going to broke down all, both relationships with the client and with the chef. And he, he couldn't afford to do that. So. So I think this is the, the thing for me, always thinking about in this moments, because the frustration, I've never seen someone frustrated that was in, in their best. Never. Uh, I've always seen, not always, but in most cases, you see the worst of people when they're frustrated. Um, and, and I think you have. I think everyone has experienced the verbal vomit when people are frustrated, they come and rah, and you don't even know what to do with that. Right. So you said, what do you want me to do? Just to hear you out, to give you advice, to give you, what is, what is that you expect from me? So this, this for me were, were the, um, the triggers to, to do it. And, and in all fairness, again, because I think, uh, vulnerability is 
uh, is a weapon. Um, I have my moments as well where I, I, I sometimes I just call one of my best friends and I said, look, I just need to do some verbal vomiting. Can you just hang on? Cause I'm so frustrated. Um, and on my personality, for example, bureaucracy, uh, lack of courage, um, people that are not willing to try and they're afraid of failing, this generates a huge amount of frustration in me. So it takes, it takes a lot of breathing. It takes very good, um, to be better in empathy as well, because, you know, for, for me, it's very easy to be courageous. Uh, this is part of, you know, my mental, this is part of how I was craft. So when people say, oh, you moved from Brazil to here and there, I said, yes, this was so exciting. People, some people would be very petrified of that. So. I can't think that courage for me means the same thing as courage for someone else. So, but it's tough. Every time that I have a moment of frustration, I had one this week. I had one yesterday, by the way. That Breathe in, and, and you say, okay, exactly. So the music comes in the background. Said, okay, how about the first form? You know, it, it's so pertinent, by the way. Um, you know, especially in these troubled times, um, you know, the, the economic scenario that we find ourselves in. And I find that actually, you know, the way that you framed it um, really, really well, the way that I frame it in my mind is around just letting go a little bit, you know, not having to hold on to things so tightly that it just overwhelms you and overcomes you. And rather, actually, when you're able to just take that little minutiae step back, actually, that frustration does turn into more positive, logical thinking about solutionizing. Um, where you can actually come up with different ways of of getting around the problem in which you find yourself. Um, but Patricia, the other thing that I think you said was really insightful was when you are the receiving end of someone's frustration, often it doesn't actually, you're not the direct um, cause of it, but perhaps you're the recipient of it. And you be, you've got to really be able to identify that and be able to respond in a, you know, in a constructive sort of way, recognizing that you may not be the person or the cause of that, that frustration there. So... Oh, wonderful. I mean, I, I really, and I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into, um, you know, the, the impact that your dad had and, and the world of restaurants maybe had on your marketing career, but I'm sure we'll come on to that. I, I want to pick up on, on something you said perhaps um, towards the end, which was courageousness mm -hmm. and, you know, almost the antithesis bureaucracy versus courageousness. And of course, you've achieved so much, Patricia. And, and I wonder what, to what extent you, you put that down to being courageous. I mean, is that an attribute that has really allowed you to elevate in your career? And would you recommend others do the same? Um, yes, I think, I think courage, um, and not being afraid of making mistakes and failing. It's something that has, has played and still play a very big role in my life. Um, again, it comes from inspiration from my family, the way my grandfather and my father built um, built a very successful life from scratch. Um, it started. I was the first person not an entrepreneur in my family, so the, my first act of courage was to tell my father that I wanted to go to university and not take over his business, um, which was two things at once. So first time that you know the family will not have an entrepreneur and the the first time the family will have someone that decided to go to university. Um, but it's, it is not, um, 
it is actually it's for us is a family value. Um, so here at home, um, we have a, a, a little bit of, we have two pages where, with our family values and courage is one of them. And, and you need courage to do from the most basic things to try new foods, for example. So this is another thing, for example, that w will make me uncomfortable. Uh, the one thing that you wouldn't experience is someone that has a grandf grandfather that was a chef, had a father that had the number of restaurants. I am a super picky eater. I've, I had spent a, each year in my father's restaurant, I would eat one dish for a year. Yeah, so I had, you know, uh, bolognese spaghetti for one year. Then I had parmigiana for another year. So I am a very picky eater. So trying new foods for me was something very uncomfortable. But it's, it's, you, you can have small acts of courage, um, even if it's not in your nature, because you can start from this. Another act of courage is to dress with the color that you think it's maybe too bright and you are a shy person. So I think courage is a very important factor because for me, courage is linked to openness and I cannot see how we can succeed in the world without being open to the changes and, and to new things and to new people and to new places. But if you don't have courage, I think it's, it's, it's a perfect combo, courage and openness, right? So if you don't have courage, I think it's tougher to be open because to be open, you have to have the courage to see the world through different eyes to put behind what you think was right, what you think was wrong, what you think is the left or right. So it's something that, again, I think it's when I'm looking, when I'm hiring people, this is one of the things that I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking for curiosity. I, there is a number of C's, I, you know, in, in marketing and in communication, we love to have P's and C's and D's and A's. Um, this is courage, curiosity, uh, are, are seeds that I am absolutely, uh, obsessed with. And, and, and Trisha, in my mind, there's a direct line, excuse the pun between courage and you and what you've gone on to achieve because you were recognized as a nominee for WFA Global Arts of the Year, because you've been tackling some taboo conversations because you've been looking to transform within your sector and beyond. So I'm just going to invite you now to talk a little bit about why you think you were nominated. And this is not a time to be shy because you've done some amazing things. Tell everybody some of the, the amazing things you've done. Um, so I think the first thing to say is, and it's, and I really mean it, um, the same way that, uh, you Mark, when you were heading direct line and, and you reaching when you put together the school of marketing, there is no, it's very little success that you can do on your own. So the first thing is in, in buyer, in consumer health, I have an amazing team that is in this journey and believe in the ambition that we have to really take the taboo out of health, uh, especially on intimate health or really transform self-care into something where people can be empowered to take care of their health. And, and, and Richie, you were talking about these difficult times with, you know, some people, you know, as a Brazilian, I know what's inflation since I was born, but in Europe, this is something, and in the U S this is something that people haven't experienced that much. So 
the cost of health, the cost of, med of medicine, the cost of being sick and not being able to work for some people is not possible. So this is the mission that we were behind and we are behind. So, so the first thing I think I was nominated because not because of the work I did on my own, because, um, I have a wonderful team that is in this mission with me. Um, the second thing that I think is important, I also have a boss that allows me to do what I do best. Um, I think this is a very important leadership skill, uh, to empower people, to allow, allow them to do what they're best and, um, and, and give their cover when they need, because you want people to try and test things. So I have something on creativity that's called creative unleash. And it's, it's one big act of courage creatively because we don't test anything. There is no briefing and I've never had any comment from, from, from the CEO, my, my boss say, wow, are you doing this? No. You know, I, I know that if something goes wrong, he knows I take full accountability, but I know he has my back and, and this, this is the second thing that's important because these two things allow me to bring the best in me. If you don't have a team that supports you and, and with smart people that challenges you, you learn from them and, and a line manager, uh, a CEO in my case, that really, um, enables you to bring your best every day. It's the WFA would never have seen us. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the first thing. The, um, then the third thing is the work. Um, the work is amazing. Um, I am, I think ev everyone that has done anything in the commercial area, I think at certain points in life, we saw things on TV or on our screens and we are in the outdoors or radios. And we said, oh, I wish I was the one doing that. Right. Oh, yes. That there is a number of them and, and especially, you know, you both having lived in the UK for some time, it's one of the best places in the world for advertising. Um, and, and in this four years that I'm with Bayer, four years and a half now, there is a number of them that I look and I said, oh my God, I'm so excited that we're the ones behind this. And, and I, I have. Is it okay if I tell you too that, um, that I'm super excited. I continue to be excited. One is vagina Academy. Um, vagina Academy, it's a shame free school to teach women in different ages on how to take care of their intimate health. Uh, I, and in a moment of vulnerability, I remember, uh, my first meeting with the intimate health team when I arrived at Bayer four years and a half ago. And every time they said the word vagina in my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, somebody's going to wash my mouth with soap because, you know, I come from one of the biggest Catholic countries in the world. You don't talk about your private parts. And as I start seeing. Uh, the data, you know, that 80% of women, and this is in different countries in the world, including the UK, they don't talk, they don't talk about their vaginas to their doctor. It's deemed to have a problem, right? So, and in the UK, we have, um, the vagina Academy is now in many, many countries in, in the world and in the UK, 
uh, Vagina Academy comes in a campaign called Truth Undressed. Um, that is, it's going to a, a number of schools in the UK. It's now part of uh, the educational process on how to teach girls to take good care of their private parts and know what they have down there, right? So this is one that I'm super excited, uh, very, very proud. We have decensored the word vagina in TikTok in Brazil, decensored the word vagina in Meta in Italy. So these are things that you said, yes, this is why I do this job. Um, and there is one that we are just launching in the US, uh, I think two weeks ago, that is called Diversity. And this is for me a mix of really smart, beautiful advertising. And this is BBDO. Um, and Vagina Academy, by the way, is analog folks. I always like to give credit to our partners. Um, and we have discovered we are one of the biggest players in allergy to help people with allergies in the world uh, with our brand Claritin. And we have discovered that for a very odd reason, the gender gap also exists in nature. Most of the big cities in the world only have male trees. Because female trees, they have fruits and fruits get the streets dirty. There is, there is a very, very strange rationale behind it. But also male trees are the trees that release pollen. So the levels of allergy increases because they keep planting male trees and female trees absorb pollen and produce, you know, fruits and etc. So we are launching a campaign to stop the gender gap in trees. Wow. And, I'm, and I'm so excited about that because it's, it's something that, you know, it's again, the beauty of insights. I would never thought that I was going to do a campaign for equality of gender in trees. Patricia, that's just amazing. Honestly, diversity tree. There we go. Diversity tree. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to take a pause for a minute to signpost one of our incredible sponsors for the show. The Marketing Lounge Partnership are a specialist loyalty and CRM agency that works with blue chip clients on helping them engage their customers. Think about sales promotion and incentives. Think loyalty programs. Think CRM and ways to engage customers through email, social, and a range of channels. I really rate the team and think they always truly deliver. So check them out if it's of interest. Alrighty, back over to the show. But look, even beyond the two campaigns you, you spoke of, which are remarkable campaigns and certainly trailblazing, I mean, there's a whole list and raft of other ones. We could, we could spend the entire podcast just kind of talking about amazing work that you guys are doing. Aspirin right through to brand, um, you know, um, gaming and all the like, just to yeah. to get the next generations through as well. But but let's let's stop on the examples for a moment and come back to you and your career. Um, so I wanna, you know, it 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 feels like things have gone rather smooth. You know, multiple countries, uh, multiple organizations, um, big awards in the process. But there mustn't always have been the case, and there must have been doubts along the way. And I, and I wondered if perhaps you can share some of your, your thoughts up, up maybe on the moments that haven't gone as well as what the headlines say. Yes, for sure. It's, it was everything, anything, you know, different than is motorized. And um, with that said, I wouldn't change it. Um, 
because I think there's so much learning in every every step of the way, every stumble that I, I cannot imagine what would be the unintended consequences of changing that to a more sm the smoother or perfect path. Um, but I saw myself, you know, as a as a Latino uh, as a Latina woman, um, when I went to live in Mexico, I didn't foresee um, that it was going to be a challenge uh, culturally, because Brazil is is very is even though we are all Latinos, it's so different. Argentina, Brazil, and Mexico is so different, and and I felt um, I felt out of place in Mexico. Um, I was the only one on my on my son's school that uh, he was the only one who had a working mother. Um, so this means I was not I was not included or accepted uh, in the school of my son by the moms. And and as a mom, there is nothing more terrifying to think that your son is not going to be invited to the parties or the play the play dates and etc because you're not going in the afternoon for whatever is the activity that the man's were doing because you're working. Um, so I had to find my one, this was one of the moments on how do you transform uh, frustration into inspiration. So I had uh, at that point, a number of, um, of tickets for events and I started being that ticket lady. So if it was not because they love me, it because they wanted something from me. So I found my way. Um, because I had a very clear target in, in, in my head that is, if I'm not feeling included, I don't want my son to feel the same. Um, so then you find a solution, right? But it was tough. It was really tough. Um, from a safety point of view, I never felt so unsafe and so worried about my family safety and, 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 and you start giving value to different things and how you make choices. Right. So if you have to move this or there next, you, you have a different set of considerations and things that are non-negotiable, but there were also, there were also other times when, when the category that I was working in, and this, there is one category specifically where I, the category put me to my knee. I, there, anything that I would do, nothing would work. Um, and. And it's tough when you are in the middle of it. But again, it's another handling uh, moment where you say, why, you know, what is going on? Um, that is, did I, did I lose, you know, the touch? Am I not understanding what the consumer needs? And, and sometimes it's a good thing for you not to be able to have an answer and have a solution for everything because it, it I think we are better as leaders when we are under constraint because we have to tap into other things because we talk about creativity from an advertising point of view, but there is creativity in terms of how we lead, how we solve problems. There is also this moment of vulnerability and collaboration that increases tremendously when you are in a situation where you really do not know um, how to get out of. So you can either isolate yourself and, and, it doesn't help, or you can say, okay, I can't solve it on my own. Let me just find the best people in the world and let me join forces with them. So if you use it properly, it can be a really great force for development and growth. So I had a number of those, um, in my life, Richie. And, um, 
and and there is sometimes it takes it takes a bit of time for you to appreciate the learning because when you are in the middle of the suffering uh it's it's suffering um but when you look at it with distance then you start seeing the good in the middle of the suffering which i i always think it's uh it's a great uh it's a great moment to stop and reflect and and recognize so so everything but smooth um everything but you also learn you know i've moved i've moved uh houses so many times that i have now uh a booklet with all the things that facilitates a move from having all the towers and all the linings in one color because it doesn't matter what's the carpet what's the curtain color everything will fit from having boxes for first day move so when you know when the truck puts all the truck all the boxes in your house you have three boxes assigned first night where you have everything that you need for the first and second night so you don't need to oh my god where is the tower where is the shampoo and all of this so you start creating things if you take this positively and say okay so the first night was a disaster in my first move. i couldn't <laughs> find anything so you start saying okay so how let me just find someone that has more than i what have they learned so let me search online um so it's everything but smooth but um but again i wouldn't change it for the world patricia's guide to home moving yeah. i see i see a published book coming out there's something in that Lo lo love that e everything everything but smooth but wouldn't change a thing um and and just the, the becoming the ticket lady what a stroke of genius i mean who cares whether they were reluctantly taking those tickets or not but it was, um but you said something very interesting about being uh, leaders are better under constraint and i think that's a great lesson for everybody listening about you know embrace the messiness the squiggliness the setbacks um because all, all the good stuff actually flows from there now i want, I want to flip to diversity as a as a theme we've, we've talked a little bit about it in terms of you feeling excluded at times and and tangentially through diversity but i want to really go in properly on diversity in marketing and i know it's something you're really passionate about so t tell us more about <clears throat> your observations your learnings your experience around making sure that marketing is a fully diverse function and, and, and why yeah this is you're right this is very close to my heart and and it's interesting because depending on the environment you're in, it takes some time for you to observe the change. So in Brazil, uh, most of my teams were between 70 and 80% female. So it was, it was at, at my level, at my team's level was never an issue, but I've never had a female boss in Latin America. I've never looked up to the board at that point. And, and there was a female that I, you know, in any small, if there was a female, I didn't relate to, to her, uh, either because, um, she didn't have a family. It was very verbal, clear that, you know, I've made a choice between my career and my family or at that point in time, cause I'm, I'm talking, you know, 25 years ago. And so, so the, the white hair doesn't appear and scream, um, but there was a t there was something at that time uh, where women to succeed in in a male's environment had to look the part as a male. So I didn't I didn't resonate with that as well. 
Um, so most of women were using, you know, suits and things like that. And, and I'm until today, I'm the lady with a dress and, uh, and a converse, right? So, uh, I'm, I have, this is my style and I'm not going to change, um, from, uh, uh, a being genuine point of view. I'm, I'm not trying to be anything that I'm or anyone that I'm not. Um, so when I got to the UK, um, I start getting a sense of what was diversity in a much broader sense. Um, cause in Brazil, you almost don't notice cause we had so much, uh, immigration that you think everyone. So I have an uncle that is Japanese and it's very, it's very normal. My grandmother from my mother's side is a native Brazilian. She's indigenous. And my father and my grandfather are Europeans, blonde with blue eyes. So it's, so you are used to that mix. But then I come to, I come to the UK to live in the UK in 2008. And, um, I start seeing people from India, which we don't have in Brazil. I start seeing Muslim people, which we don't have in Brazil. And I start seeing people from the Caribbean and I'm walking around and I'm finding it super exciting, but in the office, everyone pretty much looks like me. So it's not the gender thing. Um, and I did one thing, um, recently about two years ago, I look back at, at my files as much as I could remember. And in about 25 years, 30 years of career, only three times, um, recruiters have presented me black candidates. Three times. Never I was presented someone with a disability. And I've, I've started doing blind CVs a long time ago. And I know blind CVs are not the solution, but it's something that helps me, um, keep, keep myself aware that, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the experience. I'm looking for values. So, so I even take out name because sometimes name gives, gives an idea. I take, I've asked them to take where people did university, because of course, if it's Institute or something in Bangalore, the chance that this person is from India are quite big, right? So I've asked them to take anything that would address what it was. And nevertheless, for certain jobs, there is a certain type of people for center jobs. There's another type of people. And, and I start coming to realization. I think this is something I heard from you, Mark, that the school of marketing is doing very well is it's a systemic issue. We are not getting people from low income backgrounds into marketing. And this, you know, what you're seeing at the office is just coming from, from what is feeding to universities on. I remember when I, when I was, I started doing engineering and then I went to the marketing, but I remember when I was doing marketing in Brazil, if you wanted to do an internship in an agency, there was no payment. Yep. So if you have means, that's fine. So all of the rich people were getting the internships, but if you're coming from a low income, you cannot afford not to have a pay because most of this young people are also providing for their families, right? So 
So this is something that I'm I'm feeling really I'm I'm passionate about. And uh, two years ago, we did a partnership with the Creative Club in Brazil, only focusing on low-income uh, universities and people from minority background in this sense. And uh, we gave them challenges with our brands. And then the ones that would win the challenge would not only get mentorship, but they will get the work in their portfolio that will put them in advantage to get uh, jobs when they move to, to agencies. So, so there are a couple of things that we can do, but this is, this is small. There is, when we talk about systemic change, we need to start doing things that are replicable and are scalable. So, um, at the moment, this is a little bit what worries me is that um, we do not have enough. And I have the most diverse team in my division. So I, from a, a nationality point of view, a religious point of view, a gender point of view. So the most diverse one. Yet, for example, I've, I will give you one piece of data that might blow your mind, but there are some devices in health like... Um, blood pressure and things like this that were designed for white people. They do not work as well for black people. And why is that? Because everyone designing it is white. It's, it's not because it's not malicious. It's, it's just you design for what you see, right? So, so this is why I, I am, and on my agenda is very clear. It's not, uh, I don't think it's a fight between black and white. I don't think it's a fight between men and women. I don't think it's a fight between anything. I think the beauty is when we are all together because there's so much learning and, and the juices are, are much better when we are all together. But we are also not designing to serve our consumer needs if we don't have that in the teams. From an agency point of view, from a, a strategic partner's point of view, as well as inside the office. Does it make sense to you? Does it resonate with your experience? Oh, Patricia, my God, you know, nail on the head on so many of those core, core themes. Um, I mean, the one that amongst many, the one thing that you talked of when you talked about back your, back in your experience around senior leaders and female senior leaders, almost being a mirror image to their male counterparts. Um, that for me also extends into a socioeconomic status issue as well, where you've got um, ethnic groups having to act a certain way in uh, an environment, being very unauthentic in doing so, uh, um, in order to try and um, almost just fit in. And I think there's there's a real issue around systemic change. So even if we see a diverse team in and around, it actually takes, and I think you alluded to it, a boss and and the systems that be to allow those individuals to be their authentic selves in the workplace in order for us to unleash and allow them to kind of have that diverse point of view. There is no point in simply getting people to change. We need to change our organizations in light of that 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 background. Um, so I, I I so agree with you. And then by the way, you know this extends. We talk about a pay gap, and you talked about the ultimate pay gap at intern level, right? You know, free. Which creates a creates an issue. If you look at the statistics all throughout someone's career, you will see that the the white um, demographic sits at the top of the pay grades, followed by um, Asians, followed by mixed race, and last blacks. That is the stats, and that's how it works um, at a macro level. Um, and again, so you talk about the 
you know, economic issues that start at a young level, it goes all throughout your career. And even if you look at things like um, the number of, of uh, C-suite executives, there is a difference between whether they went to public school or private school. Yeah. And that obviously, again, is a socioeconomic problem. So look, I, you know, there's so many things that, that we surely need to make change on. Um, and we should look at the facts, right? So I love that you're talking about the pay gap. And one, and I think it was the female quotient that um, published that, in the U.S., the lowest paid uh, group is Latinas. Latinas are, are less paid than Black, are less paid than Asian. And of course, much less paid than, than white men. But I think this is a, it's an important point for us to bring that is, it's because sometimes people, and, and especially women, it's not about men against women. Um, and, I, and I think this is a really important part. The most important people professionally for me were men. And they were not men because they were the only ones up there. They were the ones with great value. They were the ones that made bets on me. They were the ones going above and beyond their path to sponsor me and to say my name in a room which I didn't even know had an opportunity. And, and I've, I've, I think in life you have to choose where do you sit. If you sit in a victim's place, or if you sit in the place where you own your your life, right? So I believe that sitting in a victim's place, it's it's quite a, a, a dangerous place to sit because you almost do not have control over the things that are happening to you, right? So women have a possibility to be also better to other women. And, um, and and this is, and I'm, I'm going to give you simple examples where I've, and not just women to other women, but brown to other brown, black to other black, Asian to other Asian. We are not competing amongst ourselves. So one of the tests that I do is when I'm asked uh, to recommend people, how much of the people that I'm recommending are in line with my beliefs and my values about offering, you know, giving the stage to people that do not have that visibility. And at the beginning, I've noticed that most of the people that came top of mind were white male. And for a very simple reason, they were very good at selling themselves. So they, they got the top of mind. So I start making a point on noticing people that I thought were really good, but maybe not as good as selling themselves. And I would bring their name in a room that there was an opportunity and they were not in. But I've, when, I was, when I was growing up uh, in business, I haven't seen a lot of women doing this to other women. Um, women are grown to be very competitive. I've seen, a, I've seen a change. I've seen more sisterhood which is wonderful because there are, when you, when you are a woman in business, um, there are lots of people looking at you. I remember there were people looking at me to say, okay, I'm just checking if you can really do it. If you can have a mom, you can have a marriage and if you can do the work. Um, and, 
and it's a burden to try to to try to be a trailblazer because it's uh, it's so life is already complicated enough right but we cannot ignore the fact that there are people looking as the same way there are people looking at you both thinking okay can you can i be a really successful professional and then a really success successful entrepreneur can i can i be someone that is a founder of something can i do that and also have a family and and be a breadwinner because the other thing that i've learned is that men have never been so much under pressure and and there is this institute in canada um that has research men um it was re really really interesting men coming out of war that for some reason have been emasculated physically literally and became very very violent and what they have learned is the best way to bring them back to their normal selves is not to shame them as not to keep saying oh you guys are the majority you're right it's how do you bring them on the journey with you so if you take the same parallel and and have empathy if you take the same parallel you know it's i'm sure you both have similar challenges that i have it's just different different the way we approach it right so we i we both care about the people we love we both want to give the best to the people that means a lot to us. And I think we all want to leave a legacy behind, right? And we are born in different countries. We have different genders and we live in different countries. And, but we have some, so I think the values is the thing that people should be focusing more on. And I think this is what's going to take us further in terms of having more diverse teams. If the values are right, it doesn't matter how people look, what they prefer, and etc. We went very deep on this one. Okay, let's come back. Well, um, Patricia, it's, a, it's an incredible conversation. I think, unfortunately, we we're out of time on this segment. But what an amazing conversation! You talk about values, and and your values shine through. You talk about legacy. What a legacy you're already in the process of building. We've gone heavy on diversity, but we wanted to give you that platform to talk to that. And you said a lovely thing, which is it is a burden to be a trailblazer, mm. but boy, do you carry that burden really well. So from my point of view, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And I'm, I'm going to hand to Richie to do his very best to summarize what's been a scintillating conversation. But thank you, Patricia. Thank you. Yeah, Patricia, you've made my, my job very, very hard at the moment with so many wonderful things that you have, have said during this conversation, but it has been igniting and it's been wonderful. So I'm going to try my best to summarize. Um, I mean, we obviously kicked off with the, the whole piece around being uncomfortable. And even from brushing your teeth with your left hand right through to learning languages and instruments, which you've admitted you may not be the best at. But actually, you know, the term frustration to inspiration came across loud and clear. And I think that's a key message that all of us can really take away, that if we can turn our frustrating moments into ones that can, can inspire and we're clearly going to do something right. Um, and you do so, you know, in, in a bid um, not to be stubborn, but to be humble, recognizing that there are things, and I think you used the word, that you're crap at. Um, but I think that's one thing that is, it's, it's brilliant because especially for people who get up in, you know, in a career journey, um, you could almost get to the point where, you know, you, you feel like you're good at everything, but clearly these are things that keep you centered. And I think that's wonderful to have. 
we talked a lot about the role of frustration um, and actually some of those moments, um, you know, how to turn frustration into calmness, as your dad did during the process and times in, in the restaurant and actually having reputation high above the door um, in, in those moments. Um, around courage, I think that was another big theme of being being courageous, being brave, and actually retributed though, that courageousness um, to, you know, to, to, to being part of your success with a sense of openness that comes with being courageous. Um, we went stereotypical in, into the, the marketing C's, but your marketing C's consist of curiosity and being courageous. Um, you know, I loved how you said when, when Mark was trying to, to poke at you talking about all your successes, the first thing you said was actually, no, it's a team effort. And actually, you know, whether that's the people around me, the, the agencies you work with, even your boss, um, championing you and supporting you all the way through. Um, super important to be able to give you that air cover you need when you're launching things like Creative Unleash. You're most proud of, proud of so many different campaigns that you've launched. Vagina Academy, a real trailblazer, right through to Diversity. Bloody hell. Never thought I'd say that. Hey, never thought anyone in a career would actually go down that road. But there we are. Amazing. Amazing where you land up. Um, lo lots of vulnerability along the way as well, um, particularly your experiences of Mexico. And I just want to say that I'm sorry to hear that that's how you felt. Um, I know many lessons learned, but still, it's uncomfortable. But the way you navigated it with you, and you summed it up with that one sentence, even if they don't love me, they will want something from me. I wonder if there is actually a real philosophy that sits at the heart of that um, more than anything as well. So, um, and of course, the conversations around diversity and, and you know, even being candid around the number of the black candidates and disabled candidates that you've had put across your table, clearly something needs to change and dramatic things need to change, not just for the betterment of our internal working teams, but for our industry. And of course, you alluded to um, you know, even instruments not working better on some groups than others. And actually, that's something we totally need to change and get better at. And that's something that we could have easily avoided, I'm sure, um, had we had diverse teams and diversity at the heart of our organizations. So look, thank you, Patricia. I hope I've done a good job to summarize some of those key themes. But it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on this morning. And I genuinely wish you all the best. I can just see the shining light that you all are and going to continue to be. So thank you. Thank you very much. And I uh, I want to say for, for the folks that have stayed with us listening, uh, thank you for for giving me the space to talk about the things that I'm passionate for and about. And we need passionate and enthusiastic people in marketing. So we have never, bef like before, needed so many of you to come and to drive brands. And brands are really something that it's becoming again more important. You know, after COVID, the trust in brands is something that has raised. So we have never also had so many resources to be good at it. So the School of Marketing is one of them. Having the podcast, looking at LinkedIn, these are the things that you can do that costs, you know, just watching this podcast, you just need to have the will, you just need to have a plan yeah, and a vision of where you want to go uh, and, and look for, for the programs that they offer. Mark was talking about mentorship programs in the UK. I'm sure if you're not from the UK, if you're listening to this somewhere else, there must be something. So look for it. Take ownership of your career because we need the greatest in this. And, uh, and, and I hope that this has uh, allowed you to get a little bit excited about coming if you are in doubt. 
or continue to be excited if this is your path already. So thank you, Mark and Mitch, for having me. Um, you deliver against your promise that we were going to have fun. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it is the sun shining light on my Friday, and I really appreciate you guys inviting me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you.